Part four of Ghosts and Family Legends, a volume for Christmas by Catherine Crow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part four, Round the Fire, Fourth Evening. The circumstance I am going to mention, said Sir Charles L., would appear very insignificant after these interesting narratives, but as it happened very lately, you'll perhaps think it worth hearing. I was living a few months ago in an hotel, the owner of which died while I was there. He had an apoplectic seizure and expired shortly afterwards. A week before this happened, at a time he was supposed to be in perfect health, an acquaintance of the family called, and without giving any reason, requested his daughter not to attend a ball she was engaged to go to. The young lady did not take her advice, but the visitor confided to another person that she had a particular reason for her request, which reason was as follows. The night before she called, she and her husband had retired to bed in a somewhat anxious state of mind, respecting a near relative of theirs who was very ill, and whom they had been visiting. The husband, however, soon fell asleep, but the wife lay thinking of the sick person, and the consequences that would ensue if she died, when her reflections were interrupted by seeing a bright spot of light suddenly appear upon the wall, that is, upon the wainscot of her room. She looked about to see whence it proceeded. There was no light burning, nor could any be reflected from the window as she looked it increased in size till at last it was as large as the frame of a picture then there began to appear in the frame a form gradually developed till there was a perfect head and face hair and all distinctly visible whilst this development was proceeding she lay as it were transfixed she wanted to wake her husband but she could neither speak nor move at length she seemed to burst the bonds and cried to him to look, but as she spoke the vision faded, and by the time he was sufficiently aroused there was nothing to be seen. Both he and she interpreted this occurrence into a bad omen for their sick relative, and augured very ill of her case. But the next morning, as she was standing in her shop, she saw the hotel-keeper pass to market, and he nodded to her, whereupon she turned to her husband and exclaimed, "'That's the face I saw last night. Sure, nothing can be going to happen to him.' I heard these circumstances from my servant, and the unexpected seizure and death occurred within a few days.' When I was at Weimar about two years ago, said Mademoiselle G., an accident occurred that occupied the attention of the whole place, and which seems to belong to the same class of phenomena as the story just related. The palace, called the Chateau in Weimar, is at one end of the park, and at the other end is another chateau called the Belvedere. Both are ducal residences, and an avenue runs from the one palace to the other opposite this avenue is the russian chapel or greek church the present dowager duchess being a sister of the emperor nicholas and in front of this chapel a sentinel is always posted the grand duke charles frederick father of the present sovereign was at the period i allude to residing at the belvedere not well in health but by no means alarmingly ill for had that been the case he would have been brought into weimar where etiquette requires that the sovereign should make his first and last appearance in this world there he must be born and there die if possible 
one night the sentinel who was standing at the entrance of the russian chapel was surprised to see in the far distance a long procession winding its way down the avenue from the belvedere as there was no stir in the town for the night was far advanced and as he had not heard of any solemnity in preparation the man stared at it in mute wonder but his amazement was redoubled when it approached near enough for him to distinguish the individual objects to perceive that it was a state funeral accompanied by the royal mourners and all the pomp usual at these ceremonies the velvet pall bore the initials and arms of the duke and following the bier was his favorite and well-known horse led by one of his attendants slowly and mournfully the procession moved on till it reached the chapel the doors opened to admit the cortege it passed in and as the doors closed on this mysterious vision the soldier fell to the ground where he was found in a state of insensibility when the guard was relieved of course nobody believed his story he was placed under arrest severely punished and had a nervous fever that brought him to the brink of the grave i was there when this happened said mademoiselle g and it was the talk of the town almost everybody laughed at him but five days afterwards the duke fell suddenly ill and was found to be in so dangerous a state that the physicians forbade his being removed into the town he finally died at the belvedere and was buried in the russian chapel exactly in the manner portrayed by the shadowy forms seen by the sentinel and there buried we all agreed that these rehearsals if we may so call them are amongst the most perplexing of these very perplexing phenomena a very curious case of this description will be found in one of the letters inserted in the appendix my sister-in-law lady s said lady r told me the other day that during her late residence in st petersburg she was intimately acquainted with a prussian lady of high rank to whom the following strange events occurred an account of which she herself gave to my sister this prussian lady was sitting one morning in her boudoir when she heard a rustling sound in the anteroom which was divided by a portiere from the boudoir the sound continuing she rose and drew aside the curtain to ascertain the cause when to her surprise she saw a very pale man in a chasseur's uniform standing in the middle of the room she was about to speak to him and inquire what he was doing there when he retreated towards the window and vanished greatly alarmed she sought her husband and related what had occurred but he laughed at her and desired her not to expose herself to ridicule by talking of it some days afterwards whilst in the boudoir she heard the same rustling noise near her and on looking up she saw the figure of the chasseur suspended in the air between the ceiling and the floor with his legs dangling in the air a scream brought her husband who was in the adjoining room and he saw the figure as well as herself nevertheless the fear of ridicule kept them silent but some time afterwards when they had a party one of the company exclaimed good heavens this i remember is the very room that unfortunate chasseurs hung himself in and then they learned that the house had been previously occupied by the danish minister and that a chasseur in his service had from some cause or other committed suicide 
"'I don't know whether dreams are admissible,' said Miss M., "'but the sort of occurrence just related appear to me to be little removed from waking dreams. I know two cases of extraordinary dreaming, the authenticity of which I can answer for, if you would like to hear them.' We accepted gladly, and the lady began as follows. My father was intimate with Mr. S., whose name, perhaps, is known to you as the particular friend of Mr. Spencer Percival. This gentleman, Mr. S., when he was a young man, had one night a remarkable dream that he could not in any way account for, the circumstances having no relation to any previous event, train of thought, or conversation, whatever. He found himself in his dream on horseback in a very extensive forest. He was alone, evening was drawing on, and he sought some place where he could pass the night. After riding a little farther, he espied an inn, he rode up to it and alighted, asking if they could give him lodging for the night and stabling for his horse. They said yes and conducted him to an upper chamber. He ordered some refreshments when it occurred to him that he should like to see how his horse was faring, and he descended in order to find his way to the stables. In doing so he got a glimpse of some very ill-looking men in a side-chamber, who seemed in close conference. Moreover, he thought he saw weapons lying on the table, and there were other circumstances which I do not precisely remember, the effect of which was to create alarm, and lead him to suspect he had fallen into a rapier de voleurs. He saw his horse rubbed down and fed, and then reascended to take his refreshment, betraying no suspicion of evil, but secretly resolved on flight. After his supper he went down again, stood at the door, and pretended to stroll about. When he saw an opportunity he went round to the stable, saddled his horse, and cautiously rode away but he had not gone far when he heard the tramp of horses' feet behind him, and from the pace they came he felt sure he was pursued. He urged his horse forward, but the animal was not fresh. He had done his day's work already, and the pursuers were gaining on him, when he saw he was approaching a spot where two roads met. Which of the two should he follow? He had nothing to guide him in his choice, and his life probably depended on his decision. Suddenly a voice whispered in his ear, Take the right. He did so, and shortly reached a house where he obtained shelter and protection. When he awoke, the circumstances of his dream were so vividly impressed on his mind that he could hardly believe the thing had not actually happened. He related it to his friends, and for some days thought a good deal of it but he was just entering into active life, and the impression soon faded before the varied interests that absorbed him, and the strange dream was entirely forgotten. Many years afterwards, when he had reached middle age, he was traveling in Germany, and in the course of an excursion he was making to see the country, he had occasion to cross a part of the Schwarzwald, the Black Forest. He was on horseback and alone, he reached an inn, the aspect of which he fancied was familiar to him. Here he thought he might conveniently pass the night, so he alighted, ordered his supper, and then went to see his horse fed. On further acquaintance with the place he did not like the look of it, and he saw suspicious-looking men hanging about. He resolved to seek another resting-place, and leaving some money on the table to pay for what he had had, 
he went downstairs and after lounging about a little strolled to the stable saddled his horse and rode off as quietly as he could but he was missed and pursued he heard the tramp of the horses as they gained upon him at this critical moment he saw he was approaching a place where the roads divided his life depended on which of the two he should take suddenly and strange to say though he had misty recollections of the scene now for the first time the dream of his youth clearly and vividly recurred to him he remembered the voice that whispered take the right he obeyed the hint and his pursuers soon gave up the chase he found a chateau about half a mile from the turning the owner of which hospitably received him his host said there had been for some time unpleasant suspicions with regard to the inn in question and that if he had taken the left-hand road he would have been quite at their mercy this very curious dream reminded us of that of dr w which i have related in the night side of nature who in the same manner was saved from the attack of an infuriated bull in his dream having been shown where to fly for safety but the case is less remarkable than that of mr s as the dream occurred only the night before the danger presented itself the other dream i alluded to said miss m is less curious on that account some friends of mine who reside in the country had an old nurse who had lived in the family many years and for whom they had a great regard when her services ceased to be required she was settled in a cottage on the estate where she lived very comfortably with her only daughter the daughter however married a man who kept a turnpike some miles distance and one morning just as the family were leaving home on some expedition the old woman arrived in considerable agitation saying that she had had a frightful dream about her daughter and that she was going off immediately to the place where she lived the ladies endeavored to dissuade her from walking all that way merely on account of a dream but she said she could not rest and must go they even promised that if she would wait till the following day they would drive her there in the carriage in which there was now no room if there had been they would have taken her as the road lay not far from the spot with this offer they left her and went their way but her anxiety would not permit her to wait and shortly afterwards she set off and walked all the distance to the turnpike the moment she arrived she saw reason to rejoice in her determination she found her daughter alone her husband having been called away on business and said the young woman i am dreadfully alarmed for there is a quantity of money in the house the farmers are accustomed to bring the money for their rent here twice a year as it saves them several miles and the agent always comes to fetch it on the same day but a letter to my husband has just arrived from the agent to say he can't come till to-morrow knowing his hand i opened it and i am terrified for the custom of leaving the money here is no secret and if it should get wind that it has not been fetched away heaven knows what may happen the old woman then told her daughter that she had dreamed on the preceding night that some thieves had broken into the turnpike house and robbed and murdered the inhabitants but what were these two helpless women to do mutually confirmed in their apprehensions as they naturally were it was already late in the day there was no help near at hand and besides they did not care to separate in search of any 
they watched anxiously for a traveller resolved to confide in the first respectable one that passed and beg him to send assistance but none came that they thought it safe to trust night approached and it being a little frequented road except on market days every moment their hope of help declined so they did the best they could in this extremity they shut and barricaded the lower part of the house stopping up the door and windows with every piece of furniture they had and locked themselves up with the money in an upper chamber put out the light and with a chink of the window open they set themselves down to listen for the marauders whom they confidently expected to arrive nor were they disappointed about eleven o'clock their anxious ears distinguished the sound of approaching footsteps presently they heard voices and the door was attempted the men said they had lost their way and on receiving no answer they attempted to force an entrance then the poor women knowing their poor defences would soon yield to violence began to scream lustily from the window above and luckily not in vain it happened that the family who had gone on some expedition of pleasure in the morning was just then returning their road lay within a quarter of a mile of the turnpike and in the silence of the night the women's shrill voice reached their ears they immediately desired the coachman to turn his horses heads in the direction the cries came from and before the thieves had effected an entrance into the little fortification they were scared by the sound of approaching wheels and took to flight a dream of a very singular nature occurred to a young friend of mine said mr s she was about fifteen at the time and a schoolfellow who was going to be married had promised her that she should be one of the bridesmaids the intended wedding was near at hand insomuch that the dresses and everything was prepared in short the fixing of the day was only delayed by some small matter of business that was not completed my young friend to whom the whole thing was an exciting novelty while impatiently waiting for the affair to come off dreamt one night that a person in a very unusual costume presented himself at her bedside and informed her that he was brutus and that he would reveal to her anything that she particularly desired to know whereupon she begged him to tell when miss l would be married brutus answered paulo post grecus calendas when she awoke in the morning she perfectly remembered the words but not having the most distant idea of their meaning she ran to her brother to inquire if he could explain them he told her that they were equivalent to never the prophecy was fulfilled obstacles entirely unforeseen arose and the couple were never united some years ago said dr forster two young friends of mine were staying at naples when one of them told the other that he had on the preceding night seen in his dream the face of a beautiful woman but the features were disfigured by a horrible expression and that it was somehow impressed on his mind that he was in danger and that he must be on his guard against her the conviction was so strong as to create considerable uneasiness and he never went out without scrutinizing every female face he saw but some weeks passed without any fulfilment of his dream or vision and gradually the impression faded however he was one day on the kiaha surrounded by several people who like himself were observing a gang of convicts going to the castle of st elmo 
when something occasioned him suddenly to turn his head, and there, close behind him, he recognized the beautiful face of his dream. By an instinctive impulse he sprang aside, and at the same moment felt himself wounded in the back. The woman was seized, and did not attempt to deny the fact, but alleged that she had mistaken the young Englishman for another person who had done her an irreparable injury, expressing great regret at having wounded an unoffending stranger, and also at having failed in the revenge she sought. He told me that the dream saved his life, for that, had he not sprung aside, the wound would in all probability have been mortal. End of Part 4